Welcome back to the Fresh Frozen Southerner podcast. My name is Jay. I hope all is well, and I hope everybody had a good 4th of July weekend. It would have been nice for it to not be on a Tuesday. I'm sure a lot of you had Monday and Tuesday off, but probably a lot of you did not. Uh, My wife had to work on Monday, which it would have been nice to have a a four-day weekend instead of just an odd day off right in the middle of the week, but it's hard to complain about an extra day off to get together with family. We had a nice cookout and had the family over to the house. Um, That's something that we have not been able to do for about the last 10 years, just because we lived so far away from everybody. So it was very nice to get everybody together, and I hope you enjoyed your holiday weekend too. And if history is any indication, if I had driven down to the new river over the holiday weekend it would have absolutely been just a mob of humanity along the banks of that river anywhere that is wide enough to pull your car off the road and put up a tent there would have been a family camping on the new river before we had children me and my wife actually did a lot of tent camping on the new river it's uh, been well over 20 years since i've gotten to do that but that is something that we would do a lot anybody in this area if if you're any kind of an outdoorsman I'm sure that you've been to the New River for something at some point in your life. The New River is one of the best smallmouth bass fishing streams in the entire state. If you get up into West Virginia, into the New River Gorge, it's got world-class whitewater rafting, kayaking. Uh, The Claytor Lake just down the road here is a huge draw for people. But there are some really interesting things about the New River that a lot of people just aren't aware of. Even people in this area don't seem to know a lot about the New River. And I'd like to talk about the New River today because if I've learned anything in the three years I've been doing this podcast is that if you're wanting to draw in listeners from around the world, the best way to do that is to talk about very specific geological formations that most of them will never see. People just seem to love that stuff. But again, this is one of those things that I find interesting. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And first things first, one of the odd things about that river is that it flows north. Now, that's not unheard of. There are plenty of streams in the United States that do flow north, but for whatever reason, rivers and streams tend to flow south or east or west. You would think that probably, well, you would think 25% of the rivers would flow north, but it's a actually, it's a surprising small number. Just for whatever reason, water does not want to flow north if you're in the northern hemisphere. I didn't see any actual statistics, and I'm certainly not going to do the math myself, but like I say, you would think, just logic would tell you 25% are going to flow north, but it's it's like 3% of rivers will flow north. It's just something that rivers don't tend to do. But the biggest thing about the New River, and calling it the New River is just incredibly ironic, because that is the fourth oldest river in the world. As a matter of fact, the fourth, fifth, and sixth oldest rivers in the world are all found in the Appalachian Mountains. There's the French Broad in Tennessee, the Susquehanna up in the Poconos, and the New River that flows from just a little north of the North Carolina-South Carolina state line, and it terminates in West Virginia just a little south of Charleston when it runs into the Kanawha River. Now, I read several articles in Boning Up for this. Now, a lot of this information I got um, when I took When I went to college, I did not want to take biology or chemistry, but obviously you have to have a science with a lab. And I noticed that geology counted as a science with a lab. So I took geology simply because I did not want to take biology or chemistry, and it turned out to be a very fascinating course. Um, I'm the kind of person I like to know 
how things work, why things are. And that's basically all geology is. It's the study of how the planet got to where it is today. And we spent, it wasn't a full week, but we spent two or three days talking about just the new river. Now, if you'll go to Wikipedia and read about the new river, it claims that the new river is 65 million years old. It's hard to put an age on a river, a specific time frame, just because obviously the water that's flowing through the river, that's all brand new water. And rocks, it's very hard to carbon date rocks. And even if you were carbon dating rocks along a river, that would tell you the date of the rock, not how long that water has been flowing there. But the New River is not 65 million years old, which, I mean, that's incredibly old. That would mean that dinosaurs were drinking from the waters of that river at some point. But the New River and those other two rivers I mentioned, the Susquehanna and the French Broad, They all formed at roughly the same time. Basically, those rivers are all about 300 million years old. And this was one of the things that we were talking about in geology class. Uh, My professor said that the only reason that the new and consequently the French Broad and the Susquehanna had the same reason for being where they are is that because the new river was flowing there before the mountains formed. Now, the mountains, the Appalachian Mountains and the Ural Mountains in Europe were formed when the North American tectonic plate and the European and African tectonic plates collided. Now, when we say collision, you kind of think of a car crash, something that happens extremely quickly. Those tectonic plates pushed against each other for millions of years. And that's what pushed up the Appalachian Mountains. It's like crumpling a sheet of paper. If you push on either side, it'll it'll start to fold up in the middle That's how the mountains were formed. Those tectonic plates were pushing together, and it actually crumpled up the landmass on the North American continent. And that's how the Appalachian Mountains formed. And the reason that the New River is where it's at and flowing in the direction that it's flowing is that it was there before the mountains started to push up. And as those mountains were pushed up, the river was able to cut its channel through the mountains as they formed around it. 300 million years is such a long time, it's really hard for you to wrap your mind around how old that river is. Uh, But like I say, it's literally older than the Appalachian Mountains. It's older than the Atlantic Ocean. When that river first formed, life was just beginning to take hold on land. Uh, Plant life had been around for a while, but like when that river first started flowing, it was basically just insects on the land. That river has seen the dinosaurs evolve and disappear. It has seen mammals take over the planet. That river is about as a constant as you can get in geology terms. That river has been there for all intents and purposes longer than pretty much anything on the planet. And all of that sort of makes you wonder, why on earth is it called the New River? Now, there's a story I've heard from a couple of different sources, uh, which I don't think is true, but the story is that uh, when we were first settling in America, um, an expedition set out to explore some of the Appalachian Mountains, and it left from the state of South Carolina. They went over about 100 miles, then they turned north, and they went up about two, 300 miles. And then when they turned back east to come back into uh, the colonies, Out of the blue, all of a sudden, here's this river that they hadn't had to contend with when they left South Carolina. And it's like, where did this river come from? That is 
probably not true. Uh, the Cherokee word, and I don't remember what the actual name in the Cherokee language was, but it translates to new waters. And again, that river was there a long time before the Cherokees showed up, so I don't know why they would call it New Waters. But I feel like that is probably where the name came from on the New River. And again, giving its age, that's just a ridiculously ironic name. Where I grew up and probably a lot of places around that river, there's a story that the Cherokee word for that river means waters of death. Uh, That's not true. I've never seen that alluded to anywhere other than just word of mouth. I think that's just kind of a piece of local lore that has grown up and and people like the way it sounds. And there's a reason that people would think that that is true, and that is that river is extremely dangerous. And I don't just mean the the sections where you're whitewater rafting and there's class five rapids. That river claims a lot of lives. And I mean, just people just fishing from the bank, never come back from fishing trips to that river. And as a matter of fact, a a good friend of mine from high school about 15 years ago went fishing down there with a friend of his from work. And I've talked to this individual after the fact. He said they were uh, just wade fishing. He said they were standing in about knee-deep water, just a couple feet off the bank. And he said that, you know, he didn't hear a splash. He never heard the guy say anything. It just, he was standing there fishing and he turned around, his buddy was gone. And what it turns out, what happened is it wasn't number one, they weren't wearing life jackets, which most people that just, you know, I'm going to be fishing off the bank. Why would I take a life jacket? But his friend stepped off an underwater cliff and the current pulled him down to the bottom. And it was about two days later that rescuers managed to recover his body. That happens with frightening regularity on the new river Uh, one of the side effects of that river cutting a channel through the mountains is that a lot of places that you go on the new river the river itself it's about 150 sometimes 200 yards wide and it just the surface of it looks very placid but somewhere in that 150 yards there will be a channel cut through the rock and at that spot it'll go from a few feet deep down to 30 or 40 feet deep in places and where that water is getting squeezed into a very narrow canyon-like channel the current is extremely swift even you know if you're floating on the surface of that you might be doing two miles an hour but if you go down the water is just ripping through that that little channel and people go over there and you'll step off an underwater ledge and when that happens that current grabs a hold of whoever goes in and you never see them again It is really nothing unusual at all. Anytime through the summer months, anytime it's warm enough for people to get out and go fishing. I mean, you hear people all the time go missing on the New River and they find the body a few days later. It it happens, like I say, regularly. And I had something odd happen to me when I was camping down there one time. Uh, We were down there with friends and somebody that was camping with us had brought an inflatable two-man boat. Me and this guy had went out fishing in this little boat And we were coming in and we were just like, we were maybe 10 yards above our campsite and we were literally within like three feet of the bank. And the guy that owned the raft, he was in the back paddling and I looked over the side and it looked like it was, I don't know, two foot deep. And I thought, well, I'll, I'll hop out and I'll pull us up onto the little sandbar we were camped on. And like I say, it, the water did not look deep at all. It was just crystal clear. I could see the rocks. It looked like it was maybe two foot deep. I hopped out of that raft and it was over my head. 
Now I had one hand on the raft, so it's not like I went down into the water very far, but I, I was shocked that the water was that deep. Like I say, it looked like it was just a couple of feet deep. So it's much easier to do. And like I say, it's not people out in the middle of the water in a canoe when they tip the canoe over, you never see them again. I mean, people are just down there camping and never come home. So if you live in this area or if you're visiting this area, carve out some time and visit the New River. Uh, the scenery is unbelievable. The fishing is fantastic. But watch what you're doing and definitely bring some personal flotation devices. Um, it's not just a precaution on this particular river. It's something that you really should do. All right, but enough about ancient rivers. Uh, if you listen to my last episode, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny is out at theaters. I'm happy to say it is turning into one of the biggest flops in cinematic history. Now, I don't like schadenfreude. Um, I think that the desire that most humans have to see other people suffer, I think that's one of the more primitive and ugly assets of human nature. I understand it. I'm not a fan of it. That being said, I am enjoying seeing this movie go down. Like I said last episode, these movies are being made out of maliciousness. It's not that they're wanting to tell a good story. It's not that even that they're just trying to make a quick buck off of a beloved franchise. These scripts are being written, I feel like, specifically to destroy a beloved character. Now, if I'm right, and that is why this movie was made, you know, the story's made and Indiana Jones is a broken old man who's just a doddering old fool at this point, And he does not really contribute anything to the story other than to be there and be put down. So mission accomplished, if that is what they were wanting to go for. But it looks like they are going to lose hundreds of millions of dollars on this movie. And it couldn't happen to a nicer bunch of people. There have been several reports that there are emergency meetings going on behind closed doors at Disney. It's looking like Kathleen Kennedy might possibly lose her job over this. I can't believe as much money as that company has lost over the last couple of years that she's still in charge of Lucasfilm. But it looks like her time may be up. Uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge reportedly has been fired from several projects with Disney and Lucasfilm that she had been attached to. You know, Kathleen Kennedy is blaming the marketing department, saying that this was not promoted properly. The marketing department is saying, you know, it's not our fault. You just made a horrible movie. And it's it's like watching rats leaving a ship and everybody's pointing fingers for what they did to Luke Skywalker and some of the other heroes from my childhood. I'm loving every second of it. And while we're on the subject of mean-spirited people getting their comeuppance, I don't know if you have seen this story, but apparently on the 4th of July, Ben and Jerry's released a, I think it was a tweet, saying that it was wrong for us to celebrate Independence Day when what it amounts to is European colonizers stealing land from the Native Americans. And what we should really be doing instead of celebrating the founding of our country is giving land back to the Native American tribes that we stole from them. Now, a lot of people on Twitter were very quick to point out that Ben and Jerry's headquarters is in Maine, I believe. It is on land that traditionally belonged to a Native American tribe, and that tribe is still around. So why doesn't Ben and Jerry's give some of their land back to this tribe of Native Americans? Now, like I said, that tribe 
does still exist. And one of the uh, chiefs, elders, forgive me, I don't remember what his official title was within the tribe, but he put out a press release saying that he is always interested in repatriating land back to the tribes that it traditionally belonged to. Uh, He said, oddly enough, Ben and Jerry's has not contacted him about making that happen. Now, a lot of people have just been roasting Ben and Jerry's because this is just one of the stupidest things you could say on the most patriotic holiday in our nation. And I've got a take on it that you might be surprised because I actually come down on the side of Ben and Jerry's in all this. Because listen, people, you've got to understand it's called virtue signaling, not virtue practicing. Ben and Jerry's is not, should not be expected to actually, you know, pack up their offices and let that tribe have that land because that's not what they were saying they were going to do. The whole point of virtue signaling is you say something very pious and, and you know, very full of yourself. And that is the same thing as you doing this good thing that you're talking about. Okay, so when you say these things, that relieves you of the obligation of having to do the the hard work and you know, make the sacrifices to actually be a good person. You don't have to do any of that because you've already made the proclamation. And because Ben and Jerry's came out and said that is what we should be doing, that is exactly the same as them actually doing it. So I want everybody to get off of Ben and Jerry's back about all this stuff. If you don't understand the terminology, that's your fault. Virtue signaling not doing. And it's not that the Ben and Jerry's people would not be more than happy to move their headquarters off that land. But let's face it, people, it is a pain in the butt to have to move all your stuff. Now, do you really expect them to do that? They've already made the statement. What do you want? Obviously, all that was tongue in cheek. I really don't care about Ben and Jerry's. I'm not big on ice cream, period. So I'm not really their target demographic. You know, they sort of market to these holier-than-thou hipsters, and I'm sure they all ate it up. But Ben and Jerry's needs to understand that a lot of the people that go to their stores don't agree with that kind of nonsense, and it's going to be interesting to see how far Ben and Jerry's stocks fall in the next month, because I'm not sure who does their marketing, uh, but you know, you got to read the room. And you know, saying something like that on the 4th of July, anytime really would be bad, but when you say something like that on the 4th of July, there's going to be some blowback. And the blowback in this case is I bet that there's not much of a line at the Ben and Jerry's closest to you. Uh, If anybody does have a Ben and Jerry's right down the road, I would appreciate it. Go down there and let me know what the number of customers standing in there is. I guarantee you they're going to see a dip in sales from this. All right, guys, that's about all I've got for you today. I hope you enjoyed the show. And as always, I appreciate you sitting with me for this long. Uh, If you did enjoy it, leave me a like and a comment. And if you will go to the website where you download this podcast and rate the show and leave me a review, I would certainly appreciate that. You can leave me a comment at freshfrozensoutherner at gmail.com, or you can go to the Facebook page. All right, guys, hope everybody's enjoying their summer, and we will talk again very soon. Thank you very much.